Father, what an amazing day this is to celebrate the resurrection, to celebrate your goodness to us, to celebrate your son Jesus who dies for us, but doesn't stay in the grave, doesn't die and stay there, but walks out and does what's impossible for us. Thank you for your great love for us, that you would send him to us, that you would rescue us from our sin, our suffering, our pain, and that you would call us to yourself. Father, I pray that tonight we would hear your voice, that it would ring clear in our ears and in our hearts, that we would know that you're good and that you offer good things to us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> wondering if, <clears throat> if somebody could give me a try, uh, bottle of water. That'd be great. <clears throat> I uh, picked a different passage tonight to talk about the resurrection. Um, it's one that I've always been interested in and one that I uh, have enjoyed learning about. Um, it's Acts 17, starting with verse 22. Thank you. And it's um, Paul on Mars Hill at the Areopagus, and he's talking to talking to uh, people there who are. It's kind of hard to describe, but they're sort of like maybe the Supreme Court. Um, that we would uh, deal with that that sort of um, they're the they're the great philosophers they're the great law keepers and law givers um, they they had the right these these particular people on this mountain um, they would gather together and they would evaluate uh, lawsuits and claims and and they would determine who was right and who was wrong, and they could make they could punish people, and they could um, impose sentences on people. They had a lot of power. They were the powerful men of the city of Athens, and and he is talking to them because they've sort of invited him to 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 speak to them about um, this new idea that he's been promoting. So these words um, from Acts 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him 
and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Others said, we want to hear you again on the subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul, and they believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. It's really hard to believe in God. It's hard to believe that there even is one. We look around in our world and, and and we wonder sometimes, is there really a God? It's hard to believe that he exists and that if he does exist, that he matters. After all, we live in an age of reason. We use our minds and our brains and we pride ourselves on our abilities to think and to prove things, to understand them, to take them apart, put them back together. Great scientific discoveries and explorations. We like to prove things, understand them, explain them. And in the light of all that, the idea of a resurrection is absurd. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It flies in the face of reason. Everything we know stands against a resurrection from the dead. Dead people are dead. And they stay dead. It's a hard reality. A year and a half ago when mom died, to see her dead body, it's just awful. Sue just went through that, and Eric and others, many of us. That realization that that which was animated is no longer. It's it's hard. And then to imagine that reanimation. Imagine a resurrection. Imagine walking out of a grave. The scientist in us all, the the smart side of us, the, the brilliance of our minds just says it can't be. And yet the very pinnacle of the Christian faith, the linchpin in all of history is the resurrection. And if it isn't real, then we're just the stupidest people on the planet. We're just gathering around here for a nice little fun time of eating soup and hanging out and getting to know people, many of whom we don't even like. (sighs) Right? I mean, we kind of get on each other's nerves and, and, and we kind of annoy each other. And matter of fact, Eric encourages us to, uh, to annoy each other on to 
to do good works. And we don't want to do good works. We just want to hang out and be left alone, right? But if the resurrection is real, then and, and, and it is real, then, then everything hangs on that reality. And so Paul sits there with these wise, amazing men, great minds, all of them. And he makes the case for the resurrection. He says that this God that you serve is bigger than you can imagine, is way beyond all the ways in which you would trap him and confine him and and box him in and and you know what? That's what we do. <laughs> we are we are really good at designing our own God. And if you say, "Oh, I, I haven't done that," yeah, you have. We limit God all the time. God could do this, but we don't like a God who calls us to righteousness and holiness. So we invent a God who gives us a break. Who grades on the curve. We like God to be controllable. And Paul says, no, this God isn't controllable. You don't get to put him in a box. You don't get to explain him. He looks out and he sees all these gods. And there in Athens, there were hundreds of gods. And there's gods of war, and there's gods of sex, and there's gods of that you talk to when you're suffering, and there's gods you talk to when your crops aren't working and right coming in right. And, and there's a million gods. And Paul says, no, there's one true God. And you don't even know him. And he says this to the wisest of the wise. Paul makes the case for one true God by saying that the very proof of God's existence is the resurrection. And that assertion messes with their minds. It messes with our minds. After all, they have all kinds of gods. Numerous gods. Multiple gods. And Paul says, no, just one. And he explains what he's done. That he sent one man into this world, his son, his only son, to come and rescue us. Rescue us and call us to himself. He makes the way to him open. And I love that they respond, right? Because that's what we do, right? We listen to this guy talk and then there's this great response and and there's really three responses and and it's it's fascinating to look at them the first thing is it says that some of them sneered <laughs> i love that that is such a cool word they sneered <laughs> you know huh like, they heard it, and it's so stinking absurd that they go, eh, no, not really. You are out of your mind. The resurrection of Jesus is the proof of God's existence? Please. 
But you see, the essence of faith is to accept the reality that Jesus walked out of the grave. And it is an absurd conjecture. And it violates our scientific reality. And everything that we know to be true, it is not reasonable. You can't reason your way into belief in God. For those of you who are desperately trying to, give it up. Stop. I can guarantee you it's not going to work. It comes by faith, and, and faith is a whole different category. Faith is a gift from God. Ask God, give me faith to believe. But some sneered. Sneering is very judgmental. It's, it expresses superiority. When we sneer at people, we are better than them, greater than them, more powerful than them, smarter than them. We do a lot of sneering in our world on Facebook, on social media of all kinds. You're an idiot if you believe people should have guns or voted for Trump or support the NRA. And we look down our nose at the people who, who don't think the way we think. People who think it's okay to do what we find abhorrent. We're judgmental. And that judgment and that sneering is superiority. And it tears apart relationship. And some of these really wise, wise, wise men are just too superior. They really do know what's true. And this idiot Paul, please, he doesn't have clue one. The thing about sneering is not only is it judgmental and, and an expression of superiority, but, but the truth is, is it's very close-minded. It doesn't entertain possibilities. It's hard for us to do that. It's easy to close our minds to possibilities, and, and that's what the sneerers did. They closed their minds. And it's actually kind of fear-based. Because, you know, when you're good and you're popular and you're a judge and, and you're a Supreme Court justice or, or you're a really important person in business or, or you're, you're somebody who's, you know, deeply respected by the community, you have to maintain that. You can't look bad. And there's a fear that Maybe I'm not all that I imagine I am. Maybe I'm, maybe I don't have it together. The reason we sneer is, is because we want 
our safe little world to work for us. And, and if we sneer, we, we get to protect it and keep people away and hold them away lest they find out we don't have it all together. The resurrection is like that for us. If, if, if the resurrection is true, it's amazing. And, and if it's not, then that's horribly sad because it means that this is it. <laughs> How depressing is that? If this is all there is, wow. What are we doing here? I I don't know about, you know, eating, drinking, and being merry because so, tomorrow you die. I, I, that's kind of how it is for me. Like, if I didn't stake everything on the resurrection of Jesus, uh, that's where my head would be. I, I would be doing everything I could get away with to take pleasure in whatever ways I could find it. Because after all, <laughs> what difference does it make? There's no eternal consequence. There's nothing beyond. It's just this. Why would I be nice to people? Why would I be kind? Why would I be thoughtful? Unless, of course, it would get me something. Some respect, some money. Something. <clears throat> it's easy to sneer. It's easy to look down your nose. It's easy to mock and make fun of other people, other beliefs. And you know what? It's the easiest response to the resurrection. <laughs> I actually understand them. I get it. I get it. So if you're sneering tonight, I would just challenge you to let go of that. If you're mocking, if you're thinking it's really absurd and silly, let go of that. Even if it's just part of you that does that. It's hard because it requires humbling ourselves. It requires saying that we don't have it all together and we don't know everything and requires us to submit to the God of the universe, to admit that he exists and to submit ourselves to him. That's hard. But I challenge you to give it a try. There was another group of people there, and, and they're kind of fun too, because they said, well, we want to hear more on this subject. They're just not ready yet. I like those kind of people. They're kind of fun. I, I want to hear more. I, I'm going to kind of wait and see. I... uh Years ago, got invited to an Amway party, and my apologies to any of you who sell Amway, but but 
I was really irritated when I went to this Amway party because they just told me it was a party. They didn't tell me they were going to give me a business pitch, and they did. And so I was really annoyed with the people. And, and I said, you know what? Um, this was really rude. I got a babysitter. I got, you know, I spent time. Uh, I thought I was coming to a party, I did, and, and now you're just pitching me a business? Please. Uh, so I was really irritated with, with the people who invited us. I thought they were our friends. Apparently, we were just business prospects. Um, so I let them, I let them know in no uncertain terms that I was not happy. And the lady said to me, well, you're going to be really disappointed someday when I drive my Lamborghini into your driveway from all the money I've made selling Amway. And I said, you know what? The day you drive your Lamborghini into my driveway, I will sign up. <laughs> I'm still not an Amway salesman. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Waiting. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see. She said, oh, by the way, she said it'll be too late then, right? Maybe. See, some of us say, I I just want to hear more. I'm kind of open-minded. I want to hear more. I, I have some questions. Talk to me some more about this. Some of us use hearing and waiting for more information as a dodge, of course. Right? We 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 want to we we just don't want to commit. I if I commit, wow, that's going to require a lot of me. <laughs> yes, it is. It's going to require everything. You know, we're pretty smart people, and we figure that out. We do. We, we figure out that if we commit to something, it requires something of us. If we commit to the resurrection and we say, I believe that, then we have to open our minds and our hearts and our lives to everything. Because it's no longer our life. Eric just read the passage. It's no longer my life. It's Christ's life lived in me. Those of us who want to hear more are often fearful. Fearful of commitment. Fearful of what it will require. We're not sneering, so we're not so obnoxious. But we also drag our feet. Then there's the third response, and of course this is the fun response. The third response is that that when when Paul um, when they when Paul finishes said you know that that some of them became followers of Paul and believed. They became followers of Paul. And they believed. When we think of followers, um, that that word just kind of means that people sort of, you know, toddle along behind you. They kind of follow your, like they sort of do what you maybe do a little bit, and and they watch you, and 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 for. 
for those of us who have followers, it, it makes us kind of nervous because we're thinking, well, you know, I don't really know that I want you to follow me, um, at least not everywhere. Um, and why don't you just go home and go to sleep now, right? Um, and, and, and we can catch up later. Like, the actual word of follow means to stick like glue. Isn't that great? They, they looked at Paul, they heard what he said about the resurrection, and they stuck to him. They stuck to him like glue. It's like, boom. And they follow him around, and they learn from him, and they, he teaches them, and he shows them what he knows about the gospel, the good news, the resurrection of, the, of our Savior. Let, wow. It says they became followers, which which means it wasn't necessarily an instantaneous thing. It didn't it didn't necessarily happen there in that moment. But the seeds were planted there, and and they bloomed, and the people became followers. They they were stuck like glue to Paul, and 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 that's nice. We we find our heroes here on this earth, and 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 we follow after them, and and we love them. But but that wasn't the key. The key was that they believed. They accepted as true that which could not possibly be true in the minds of the sneerers. They believed the resurrection. Two people are mentioned. Dionysus. Dionysus was one of them. He was a member of the Areopagus. He was one of these esteemed, brilliant, smart, I got my life under control, I dictate what happens in other people's lives. He was one of those guys. And he gave up everything and believed in Jesus, followed Paul accepted the resurrection as true. A woman named Damaris was also one of those mentioned. And she was a woman of prominence, and she was a woman who we also hear about has, has a, uh, a, a home, a, a business. She, she's a, a woman of influence. It's hard for us who have our act together, who have jobs and families and homes and cars and affluence beyond belief. It's hard for us to take hold of the simple concept of the resurrection, to follow, to stick like glue to who God is, to believe in Jesus, to put our faith in God. It's hard because we can sort of slide by. We can just kind of go on. We can just sort of wander off. We sort of have our thing together. Oh, we get upset. We, we get upset that other people have more than we do. But if you're sitting in this room, you're among the most affluent people in the world. Please. Think you're poor? 
cream on. And that gets in the way. Our great intellects, our great minds, our great wealth, our great position, our great status, all those things get in the way of this one thing on which everything hangs. The resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we can humble ourselves. We can make ourselves nothing. We can follow this great God. We can become like Jesus. We can grow more and more into who he is and what he invites us into. And we can find a life that is so far superior to the life of the intellectual really smart, wonderful Supreme Court justice guy sitting on the big rock on Mars Hill. How do I know that? <laughs> I know that because I accepted the invitation. I invite you to accept the invitation to believe, take hold of, grab onto, trust with all your heart, not just the fact of the resurrection, but the one who was resurrected, who walks you into the presence of God now for a joyful life and through all eternity for the great joy of what awaits us. My mom and Sue's mom and many of our moms and dads and family members and those of grandpa, grandparents, those who've gone before us, they're taking delight, pure joy in new resurrected bodies. That's something to celebrate. Happy Easter. He is risen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for walking out of the grave. Thank you for humbling us, calling us to listen to you, to follow you, to stick like glue to you to learn of your ways. Thank you for inviting us into this community. Help us to reach out to each other, to model, to invite, to challenge. To bring our friends, our family, those we love and care about. To not be afraid to challenge the sneerers To not be afraid to be patient with the we'll hear more folks. Help us to invite our friends, our families, all those we love into what we know to be true. The resurrection 
from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.